you. Are now about to witness the awesome, a crushing a might of the UGS. Robinson Show Stop Welcome my friends to a show that seemingly apparently never ends. I am your host with the most. Eugene S. Robinson. This is B22. All about hostility. Harvard University. And the wild and wacky world of Gaulites in general. Chris Woodpile Wideman. That's where you stumbled into, and that's where you'll find yourself for the next hour, if you can take it. Kicking it off, as usual, at the top of the hour, Stigmata. From the record, Calling of the Just. Song is called Intro, All of Nothing. Bob Riley kicks it off, the singer. It's still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California. How do I know? I sold it to him. How did I sell it to him? I produced the record. Ah, ah. Wait, listen. The words that say it all. But I could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. All right, my friends. Let's, uh, okay, I don't know how many, oh, well, let's get the headset going on. Let's get the headset going on so yous can hear me's while I prattle on. Let's see if I can actually get this to work. It takes some time before it kicks in my, well, before it picks up in the Kremlin and they, yeah, like they give a shit what I have to say. Hello, hello. Uh, no, it's still coming through the computer now. Yeah, typically, I have to talk uh, aimlessly, pointlessly. Let me see if I can get it get it linked up here. There we go. It's on. All right. So I don't know if, how many of you listen to uh, V21. Use is New York for y'all, uh, for those uh, in different parts of America. If you're overseas, uh, ustedes, it's say, okay. Uh, I'll limit my my international speaker speakology. Um, if you follow V21, I don't know if you followed last show, but the show was kind of about, um, it was a Father's Day show, search for the lost father as embodied by yeah, God or God corollaries or cognates. And it resolved itself in, in uh, uh, an extended, extended bit on uh, Donald Trump 
as a uh, as a uh, as a Fredo as a Fredo uh, uh, a piss take of Donald Trump as a as Fredo esque in the year 2018. And there's a guy in the comments. You'll know if you go to look at it right now. V21, who at first I assumed to be a jerk off, right? So the guy's like, you dumb piece of shit. Anybody who's listened to Knuckle Up, and that's a show that goes back to 2007, started as a webcast, purely audio, ended up being a video show on combat music radio. The the uh, 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 the, the video podcast Heaven uh, started by uh, uh, Scott Kelly from Neurosis, included uh, a lot of folks, including Scott Kelly doing shows and that ended up dying and then it, it, the show got picked up by bloody elbow uh as knuckle up and uh and then uh it moved from bloody elbow to patreon.com slash the stomper for those of you paying attention let me tell you i'm not so good at sending the stuff out i i know i owe want to use a t-shirt which i'll get in the mail and i owe somebody else a record kind of slow on that you know i got i'm a busy guy but what I'm really good on is the, the presidential level, the high level, those who uh, donate each month a certain amount to the show, uh, I think the upper level, I give you the option of a phone call. And uh, anybody who's paid for one of these things will be glad to tell you in the comments that I do indeed call when they least expect it and maybe even again inebriated. No, I'm kidding about that. I don't want to make too many jokes about that because there's some people out there really who have a problem, don't find it amusing. I don't give a fuck whether they find it amusing or not, but at some point I might be trying to get a job and I don't need p potential future employees in the first 30 seconds hearing me joking about drinking problems. And I likes to steal at work. <laughs> and he likes to steal and he drinks. It takes crystal meth under the desk. And he's real peppy. I, I mean, come on, it's a joke. This is a show for, purely for entertainment purposes. But in any case, I make good on the calls and I call people, but sometimes people cry for help and they don't know they're crying for help. So uh, the guy is like, you dumb fuck, you fat fuck, you fucking ignorant Negro, you fucking piece of, and I was like, man, if the guy had listened to older versions of the show, he would know that there's only one reliable way to, to routinely piss me off. I was hoping somebody would jump in the comments. I know you guys like a schoolyard fight, draw off the seats, get some popcorn, watch, so at first I try to dismiss the guy with, you know, if I wanted any more shit out of you, I'd squeeze your head. Why don't you get your mother to juggle my nuts? And I'm, I mean, you know, juvenile you, because I figured that this guy is, uh, he's not, uh, uh, he's a ranter, he's a troll uh, to each his own. I'll give him something for the cheat seats, cheap seats. But the guy continues and I said, you're continuing. So now you're either trying to date me or, so this is the upper level. The first was the cheap seats. Now the secondary level is like, you got to be going, this has got to be a sexual angle, right? Like I used to do this thing where if somebody was staring at, at me too long <laughs> back when I was high, in high school and maybe not so evolved, you know, people stare at you in the subway. And I, uh, my typical response would be if you're staring too long and it's turning into a staring duel, but I'm not interested because I'm reading a book or something. I say, what do you want it? You look because you want it, right? So I go to that option, the secondary option with this guy in our hostile parade i go ah, i don't want it and he you know he he says oh you and he goes to add home and attacks and then the guy i go you what you're still here you're still here by the third level a tertiary level i have to assume that this is a cry for help and this is a lonely guy who who is actually trying to reach some sort of resolve in this instance around his feelings for for donald trump 
He doesn't say so, doesn't explicitly say so. You can't tell from his hidden profile. He makes a claim of having grown up in Harlem, spent some time in the Bronx. Yeah, so I, I, I'm guessing that he he's outraged at how little Democrats have been helped. Uh, 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 the black community has been helped by Democrats. He could be a troll. It could be a Russian. It could be a Russian click farm. It could be a Philip. Who knows? Who, who knows? But I wanted to give uh, reintroduce a primer on how to annoy me. First of all, you've heard me. You can't Donna Shalala me on my own show. But the reality of it is I've gotten into street fights before. And typically, I'm very disappointed when somebody who wants to fight, you know, who, who wants to fight goes about it in completely the wrong way, right? Like, you don't, if you think calling me a nigger is going to get me upset and we're going to be fighting, it just makes me sad for you. Not for me, for you. That's the best you can do. I know you're going to lose that fight. So why don't you just, why don't you just, I mean, this is a special, this is like falling in love. It's a special thing that we've got going, the street fight. Why do you degrade the enterprise by showing how stupid you are? That 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 minimizes your 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 my uh my future victory and your eventual defeat. Why don't you go you think Achilles did shit like that? He did not. I actually gave a speech like that to a guy in Maine, and the guy was like, You're right. He goes, Okay, come on, bitch. I, you know, and I don't want to go down a secondary road of like saying, well, now now you've degraded women. You didn't even have to do that. You could just say, let's fight, and Eugene, we'd be fighting. So I say, how long before you challenged me to a fight? The guy goes, oh, that's just your shows your general level of intelligence. And so now I know for sure the guy needs help. I don't mean psychiatric help. He he. It's like everybody, like the a line from Apocalypse Now. Everybody should be given what they want, and, and for my sins, I I, I needed a mission, and I got one. In this instance, this guy is actually looking to make some sort of connection. He continues with it. And I was like, okay, all right. So, I, 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 you know, I couldn't dip or dodge for the first because maybe you're smarter than that. Maybe you're not a stupid guy. I have lots of guys who are Trump, not lots. Let me say, I've got about three or four guys who I know who are Trump guys. And, um, and at one point, one of them said, hey, I'm tired of being told I'm stupid because I support Trump. I said you're stupid because you you you, you know you you're stupid because you support Trump. Uh, uh, he goes, no, I'm not. And I go, okay, I'm allowing that you're not stupid, but supporting Trump is a stupid thing. Well, how can you say that? And then we had we proceeded to have a month long, months long, fucking uh, 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 agreeable disagreement over the nature of politics in America, which fundamentally I don't give a fuck about. You know, and the guy is trying to. I said, you know, you're living in this internet reality where hostility is is the coin of the realm. I noticed that with the comments now that people have been allowed in the arena and been given a voice, so they can raise their hand in the comment section of the articles I write for Ozzy. They can raise their hand, and people are like, "Oh, you, that's stupid." <laughs> I, I just for your edification and for the record, I don't care. Now, for those who've listened to old shows, they'll tell you that the most effective way to actually make me angry is something my father used to do to me. And it's still, even though it's like these moves in jujitsu, where even though you just taught it to a guy and you've drilled on it and you know it's coming, it still surprises you. Get called in. Father calls me into a study. Says, Gene, sit down. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ, what did I do now? Okay. I got... Uh, Got a message from Mrs. Frederick. I go, yeah. She said that you were throwing rocks at her chickens. Did you throw rocks at her chickens? Yep. Yeah, I did. 
And then he would just look at me and he would just go, don't do that again. And it was a mixture of disappointment, something that said that, that over the years mutated, transmogrified into Eugene, you of all people. She's no, but it's still, I, I had a boss who kind of figured that out. He would say to me, you know, you of all people should realize it'd be like, God, the fuck, where, where am I living now, Bolivia? <laughs> they got yeah, a guy's got speakers. He's got bullhorn speakers at the top of his Chevy. Um, so it just it stabs a knife in the heart because of course I should have known better. I should, uh, you know, she saw me through the fucking throw rocks. I saw her see me. How did I think that was gonna be okay? How did I think that made sense to have somebody who I was pranking see me prank them? And it was just a slight tilt of the head, and my father looked at me going, mm. if you watch If I Did It and If the Shoes Fit, Kid Nate pulls it on me with great frequency. It always catches me. That's the only live boy telling me uh, the insults of the guy levied my way. Yeah, you're fat. <laughs> Look at you, you got those triple chins. Okay, <laughs> whatever, bro. <laughs> whatever. I'm fat and jolly. And, uh, and for your edification, I'm 213. I'm six foot one, but six foot one, six six foot one point five. You you know you got a small man's complex when you start to deal with fractionals. Point five. Okay. Uh you're fatherless fuck. Uh, uh, hey, <laughs> my father disowned me when I was 19. That's not being a fatherless fuck, but okay. You stupid piece of shit. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Yeah, man, you're an email address to me, you know? Unless you donate at the top level and I'm calling you at home or unless you're tweeting me or texting me, you're just a guy with a funny his screen name. I don't know. What the fuck do I know? So, I, I, but you, you have to understand that my autumn and the guy said, oh, you... You got to get your you got to start lifting weights again. You got to get your hormones in check because you 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 I don't like your your race baiting and your race hatred. And yes, this is uh that was a guy from Gojira. I got the new issue of Decibel here and I'm using it as a fan because this room is killing me. I got to close the window because I don't want the neighbors to be all up in my business, even though I, I really do want them to see the article I wrote about the one who called the cops on me. Uh, you can go to Ozzy.com, Ozy.com and type in uh, Eugene Robinson and cops called on me <laughs> or whatever the name of the piece was you read about my neighbor across the street there norma the piece of shit that i want her to see that article and I, I haven't had an opportunity to show it and every time she tries to talk to me after that i said why don't we just do it the way we've grown comfortable anything you have to say to me you can call the cops and the cops will tell me now nah, i'm for sure not the kind of guy who lets it go but he thinks that this is like if i start to lift weights i'd burn off more testosterone i wouldn't be so hostile he thinks that my whole V21 was all about race hatred. And it's like this kind of thing where they turn around, they go, Obama was the most racist president ever. You know what, man? I, I, I don't have time for planet Internet. I don't have time. You know, somewhere there are real people living real lives that don't involve sitting behind a glowing machine. You know, imagine if you came home and your fucking partner was staring at the toaster. So, Eugene, there's a fundamental difference between a laptop and a toaster. Is there? Is there? You ever come into a room behind a TV? 
All you see are people staring at an appliance. It's weird and eerie. Doesn't make, you can hear it making noise, and you know what they're doing. You've certainly you've watched TV before, but it's, it's disconnected, disembodied. And I, I feel the same way. And typically, those guys who are stuck on planet Internet start doing stuff like say, oh, you, and he, like he does in the comments, oh, you got to, you got, you should listen to, you know, Halakazimika Hadabi, Aleximika Hadahaja, Jones Alex. You should, these guys would school you. I, I don't give a fuck. I, don't, I absolutely don't give a shit. I, I, I could not, if I could care less, I would, I cannot. Like I've said before, it typically pains me and bores the fuck out of me to talk about race in America because Americans are obsessed with it like they are obsessed with nothing else. I wrote an article saying that I thought that racism was less extant than people's obsession with this magical, mystical racism. It's like there is no boogeyman, but our obsession with the boogeyman has replaced the actuality of the boogeyman. And I got blacklisted. I guess this was a day before people figured out that philosophical trolling was a thing. I seriously got blacklisted by the root. <laughs> I think the root was the publication. I think that that article no longer exists and they never asked me back and they may not have even paid me. <laughs> no, I think they did pay me because I'd have been outraged if they had it. So, you know, the guy goes through the whole thing and I'm like, you know, I said, I, I functionally, I, I, I do better if you're commenting, I'm making money, right? If views are made, oh, you got nobody, only 547 people listening to your show. I don't give a shit. I'm doing this show in my underwear. What do I give a fuck? I mean, like I said, when I killed Knuckle Up, if the number drops to zero, I'll stop doing the show. As long as there's one person listening, wh what does it cost me? Nothing. What does it benefit me? Maybe quite a lot. Because I know somewhere, even a tramp like me, that there's a brother or a sister who would not deny me a bowl of soup. But my automatic, even given my, my, my general, my, 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 my general uh, fly off the handleness, I'm not specifically a hostile. That's not my automatic go-to. Some guy, uh, his name is Nate. And he sings for a band called U.S. Christmas, a great band out of North Carolina. He had never met me. He had heard about me before he'd met me. And he met me. So he's an English teacher, high school English teacher. But he, you know, he wanted to talk to another writer, another singer, heard good things about me, heard scary things about me that may or may not have been true. I don't know what he heard about me. But the guy spilled a drink on me in the first three minutes of, uh, of meeting him. Like, I just... Somebody jostled him and he spilled a drink on my hand. He said, huh? I go, what, man? Just hand me a napkin, will you? He later told somebody, I wrote a piece about, I spilled a drink on the guy. I thought I was going to get killed. And he just grabbed a napkin and wiped it off. What kind of person flips out and kills Not me. So my automatic go-to is not hostility. You could say, hey, Eugene, I don't agree with your Trump take. You know, you're race baiting. All that stuff, oh, Obama's the most racist person. That's all bullshit. That's all bullshit. But I'm not going to play your internet game. I don't want to make Zuckerberg richer than he is, richer than God or Sergey Brin. I have no need to argue this stuff. You know, you don't like it. I got an idea. You do your own YouTube show because it costs nothing to do it. And you say, you know, in your subject heading, Eugene S. Robinson is full of shit. It helps you. It helps me. 
But we're going back and forth and back. And I said, okay, all right, if, if you're not going to actually get around to that part where you challenge me to a fist fight, because eventually some guys get around to that. And in the old days, I would take the challenge. I'd show up places or, you know, I never had anybody actually actually follow through on it. I had one guy try to start a uh, try to start a Kickstarter campaign to raise money so I could go to Hamburg and fight him. I think he got 20 euros. That's how much people want to see him get beaten up by me. Um, so I have I have no interest. My automatic go to is not is not is not hostility. The great greatest scene ever, one of the greatest scenes ever, is in Glengarry Glen Ross. Jonathan Price is talking to Al Pacino, and Al Pacino noti- pre-notifies him of his intent to to rob him, and says, "Some people believe when you die, you go to uh, good people go to heaven where angels are singing and they're getting the rewards of constant presence of God." It's okay. I don't. I'm completely okay with you calling bullshit on my shit. I'm completely okay with a divergence of opinion. I'm completely okay with you not listening. In fact, I'm completely okay with everything. The only thing that kind of irks me is that thing that, that my father did. I already told you about. If you haven't listened, you just joined. You can have somebody else tell you about it. Or go back over the last 18 minutes. And that usually catches me, but that's just kind of super ego shit, deep subconscious brain stuff. But the automatic go-to is not hostility. And, and I, I, the only reason I'm spending this much time talking to it is not because I'm trying to stage manage what happens on or around the Eugene S. Robinson showstomper, but because I don't like the fucking social tendency of people going to that as, as they're – you're looking at one of the more hostile guys around, and that's not my automatic go-to. Whether it's because I hang around with really dangerous guys and have since I was like 18 – when I worked out at that the, the, this gym in Ridgewood, Queens, that had a lot of connected guys in it, and you're just like, well, it might not be good for my long-term health to fly off the handle at the slightest provocation. Maybe I should be a little bit more contemplative about approaching a dangerous reality. And fundamentally, in this modern world, everything is dangerous. So I'll, I'll, I'm okay with the divergence of opinion. They're just words. Or to quote uh, Rocco Sifridi, it's only smells. These are just things in the air. Notions, ideas. You know, there's some people who come up and say, I'm going to go over that, that guy named Eugene. Some guy did this to me. His name was, uh, oh, Nani? Uh, Nini. Nini was his name, uh, which is a funny name. It was a nickname. He's an Italian cat. And I love this guy. This guy was great. And he's, and I, we've been friends for a while, but I only see him at shows. And he says to me, uh, I said, Nini, man, how are you liking New York? He moved from Southern Italy to New York. He goes, oh, Eugene, I like it very much, but uh, I have to tell you, it's very sucks here. I go, why does it suck, Nini? He goes, because they always arrest you. They arrest you for everything. They arrest you for everything. New York City, man, my experience in the city is completely different. This is New York in the 70s. They don't arrest you for shit. He goes, well, I guess some of the Giuliani things change. I don't know why, Eugene. I don't know why. That was early on in the night. What I didn't know about Nini, it's like those commercials where they switch through with the Folgers, with the, 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 your normal coffee with Folgers. What I didn't know about Nini is he was an out-of-control, fucking hostile, lunatic drunk. 
We played a show. Afterward, his drummer, this woman comes up to me and says, thank you very much for putting us on the bill. This is really wonderful. Nini wanders up. He says, why the fuck are you talking to him? Why don't you concentrate on not sucking so much when you play the fucking drums? I'm like, oh, Nini, relax. And Nini like turns to look at me like he's considered me for the first time. And he starts walking closer to my face and like closer and closer. And I've seen shorter guys pull this on taller guys. It's like, okay, there's animal, there's animal brain dynamic of height and threat. And so, okay, I'm taller. Here's a shorter guy. Well, he eliminates that by getting closer, right? So I either have to look down, the curvature of my body, look down, in which case I'm adjusting to him, or I step back. But I've dealt with hostile short guys before, so I just stand right there, right? Because if I stand right there and look down at him just with my eyes, essentially I'm looking at the top of his head as he looks into my sternum. So he, he one-ups me. He comes in like this, like trying to eliminate my space as I defend his drummer. He comes in like this. And then when he gets right here, he looks up into my face. And I'm just looking at him. All right? Because for me, like Allen Ginsberg once told me, Dharma gates are endless. I could find meaning anywhere, maybe even here. And he looks up at me. And then for the first time, and I see in his eyes what anthropologists call the copulatory gaze. And I speak. I say, Nini. And he's coming in closer. And he's licking his lips like that. I say, Nini. And his face, he's getting his lips like he's about to kiss me on the mouth the way you would kiss a lover, not the way you'd kiss your mother. I know Italians are handy with the kisses, but this was different. And he gets right, like right here to my lips, and my hand comes up on his throat. What the fuck are you doing? If I want you to kiss me, I'll ask you. And the guy's like, oh, you Jen, I shove him away. Get the fuck out of here with this. So then he wanders over to this woman that I know. I know this because she told me. And he's, she, he's like, let's get out of here. She's like, no, no, no. I'd like to wait for Eugene. If you, you know, he and I were hanging out, we want to talk to him about some stuff. So Eugene, Eugene, you know that guy is a faggot. <laughs> so she comes to me and said, you know that crazy Italian guy? He just told me that you were a faggot. I go, oh well, yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't care. Say what you say what you want. It doesn't my automatic response is never gonna be hostility unless you park really badly. Or unless you cut me off in traffic. Uh oh. Sorry. Uh -huh. that's not my automatic response. So it actually drives me crazy that everybody, XX Tensione dies, you know, people are giving all these economiums and about how, what a great brother, the guy was a piece of shit. My kid goes online, says he was a piece of shit, yeah, and she's going to invest her time thinking about the women that he raped and abused, and that people are attacked. I just, I'm not playing the internet game. I'm not playing it, where negative emotion gets more reaction to positive re emotion, and there flame wars, and there's trolling. I've been on the internet a long time. I'm just tired of it. I'm not interested, you know. However, this guy pushed it enough where finally, like like uh, uh, Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now, I could see that what he really wanted was a mission. It was some sort of connection. I don't fundamentally disagree with you. You like Trump? Good for you. I don't. 
can I have an opinion? Can I have an opinion that that diverges from yours? That's why I like Judaism. There's no fucking proselytizing. They're not trying to get, well, that's not, not exactly true. Every time I was in Israel, I tried to, then you have to have 12 people for temple. The guys will always say, hey, man, got a drink in my hand. I'm trying to kind of enjoy myself here. I, I'm not about going to temple right now, please. I call, I, I'll go tomorrow. Well, okay, when, when should I come get you? Hey, man, <laughs> come on. Well, you, did you find some other black American to take the temple? I, I can do that shit when I'm back home. I don't want to do it here. So that's not that. Not only is that not my for my go-to, I don't believe it should be your go-to, and that's why I've spent so much time talking about. It. Anyway, anyway, again, the discussion about race in regards to the Harvard thing. <laughs> I hate to do it. However, this is not that old-timey black-white shit that makes me really weary. What makes me what makes me excited about this American discussion of racism has to do with the fact that an Indian father sued Harvard, right? Because lo and behold, Ivy Leagues are doing right now to Asians what they did to Jews back in the 20s. Now, you may not know this, but America had been a fucking anti-Semitic country like crazy. Crazy. Uh, no joke. Henry Ford, was, it, 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 there was some, uh, you know, with his... Protocols of the Zion, uh, elders of Zion, this anti-Semitic text the Nazis had their hands all over, that the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem was that, that you can still find in, in souks, souks in uh, Amman, Jordan. And people believe it was some Jewish plan to take over the world. Henry Ford despised them. There were clubs that wouldn't let them in. And they were getting good grades and apparently great applications to Ivy Leagues back in the 20s and 30s. And they said, hey, you know what? We can't compete purely on the basis of grades here. So we don't want to change the essential character of Princeton. So we're going to start to widen our process to include the total student, which is just another way to keep out Jews, right? Because they could say, well, yes, he's got the grades, but he's showing no leadership abilities. Uh, and then, okay, he starts showing leadership ability, starts heading clubs. Yes, but he's showing no athletic abilities. And it was a he back then, right? Uh, generally in the 20s or 30s. So this guy is Indian guy. His, his son scores like a perfect score in the SAT, has a 4.2 grade average. I never figured. I, in my high school, we had your grade point average was like based on a scale of 100. I got 100 average. I got 95, 90. These are smart people. I got a C average. That means 75, not so smart, not really motivated to try. But they do it 4.2. Guy was like captain of the wrestling team, student newspaper, student government, undeniably. So they said, can I see the indices? Well, they sue Freedom of Information Act. They get these, they, they look at it, and it's like five things. Like grades, you know, SATs, community involvement, student government, athleticism, and the fifth one, the fifth one, personality. Personality. Person and so I think the numbers are like, you know, without that, they would have these schools would be forty seven percent. It's not it's not backy, 
If you remember the guy at the University of Texas in Austin who sued the school uh, in the 70s to stop off affirmative action because he's like, I didn't get into med school here. I have to say it's because you have a certain number of set asides for African-American students is fucking me up. African-American politician in California, you know, uh, start uh, pimping the same thing. We don't want affirmative action. We want every African-American student to know that they belong at the University of California system. He fought it and they killed they called affirmative action. In uh, largely in, in on the books legally in the state of California, right? Yeah, file this under unintended consequences because while all the angry white parents whose kids didn't get into UC Berkeley thought that the, the way would be clear, at least they, their kid might not have gotten in, but at least for the future, things would be okay. What happened is Cal, University of California at Berkeley, started to look like my high school, Stuyvesant High School, which is like 72% Asian. Mm. So, <laughs> oh, all this concern that these massive Negroes would be rushing in to get themselves educated uh, at the expense of, of uh, Anglo offspring didn't materialize. But what did materialize is that they're now having to keep Asians out of the Ivy Leagues so that they could preserve the essential character, the essential character of their universities. <laughs> okay, is that really what's that? You don't think that this is real? Let me explain to you. Let me explain to you something that happened in my neck of the woods. And I'm, I'm checking the time here because I don't want to go over. Uh, I'm, I'm doing fine. Um, I went to a really challenging high school called Stuyvesant High School, and they've made the press for largely the same reason. There's only one way to get in. You got to take a test. You pass. It's a public school, but you take the test. You get it. It's the most rigorous test. It's like Stuyvesant is one of the best high schools in the world, right? Known. Westinghouse winners, perfect SAT scores, numbers of kids who matriculate to Ivy League schools. I'm not just saying this because I went there. It's the truth. So, uh, but for years, people have said, I'm a New York City taxpayer. Why can't my kid go to school there? So, well, your kid hasn't passed the test. Well, why? And so now people have questioned the validity of the test. And it turns out people sort of gaming the system by uh, former students have figured out that they could make a business uh, out of tutoring people solely to, for the entrance exam to Stuyvesant High School. Now, if you don't get into Stuyvesant High School, there's always some Stuyvesant and Bronx High School of Science always neck and neck. In one year, is, they get more, you know, so and then the, the third tier of the specialized high school is Brooklyn Tech. However, a vast majority of uh, minority kids, which means black and uh, uh, Latino kids, uh, go to the other schools. Even the ones who are at the top 5% of their classes. Well, it, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. They're not taking the test because the student body is like 5% Latino and like 3% African-American now. It wasn't that way when I went to school there. There are more African-Americans there. Got no special treatment as far as I could see. They just passed the test. But over time, they got less interested. They're going to different schools. If you were at the top 5% of your class, you got your pick. You don't have to go to Stuyvesant. People, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Kids didn't want to go to school surrounded by tons of Asian kids on the grind. And I thought that's ridiculous until I tried to push to, to, to you know, uh, I remember talking to some parents from my kids' uh, elementary school, which was Nueva, a very expensive or like, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer's kid goes there, David Simon, Robin Williams' kid went there. It used to be a school for gifted kids, and it just became a school for kids with rich parents. 
I was like, well, we're thinking about moving to San Francisco so the kids could go to Lowell High School, which is like the West Coast version of Stuyvesant. And I was shocked at how many parents were like, no, I just, it just seems a little too rigorous. And I pushed a little bit and pushed a little bit and pushed a little bit. And eventually it ends up turning out until one, one, uh, one parent who maybe had a little too much vino to drink, let the, the lips slip, said, well, you know, it's, it's just a lot of Asian students. And I was like, whoa, whoa, people are usually not this loose around me. You know, they know I'm a Negro, so I might have a, you know, uh, have a, a, a minority sympathy uh, uh, bone in my body. And I go, I'm sorry, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, just they're, they're so career driven and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I want my kid to have a well-rounded experience and not have to spend time with tutors and all that kind of, the fuck, you just spent you spent more on this kid's elementary school education than I spent on my entire university education. And you are afraid to have them compete because of a little fucking stress? You know, the work, I mean, the great thing about Stuyvesant is no matter how rich your parents are, you can get a top flight education if you're smart. They said, well, you know, it, yeah, no matter how rich your parents are, but these kids getting the tutoring for the, you know, the coaching for the test, they're spending a lot of money on getting. A, all right, well, so then make the make that make that off make it a city offering. So you pay for it. Anybody who wants to take the test for specialized schools gets three months of tutoring. Especially, it doesn't matter. It's like steroids. Three months, there's always going to be the people who start six months out or nine months out. And still, 73 percent Asian. You know, Asian kids who are first generation immigrants, right? Don't speak any English at home. Killing on this test. Upper West Side attorneys and judges, their kids are not getting in, having to go to Dalton where they got to keep paying because they can't get in the stipes. So there's annoyance. So from both sides, there's like a Trojan horse effect of people trying to say it's this other thing, but it's this thing they're trying to get out. So they're trying to sue the city to change the test. De Blasio's son, who just got into Yale from Brooklyn Tech, which means he did not get in the Stuyvesant. Is talking about the hostile, you know, the microaggressions. Microaggressions. How was it that I went to school with no microaggressions that didn't resolve themselves in a fist fight? <laughs> oh, are microaggressions are, are these things, the, are these unbidden hostilities that make you upset? When Nini told that friend of mine that I was a faggot, what was my response? Laughter. Why do I care? Telling me that I'm a faggot is like telling me that I'm Chinese. I don't care. I like Chinese people. I like gay people. What do I give a shit what you think I am? So Harvard is trying to maintain a, a, some sort of 1940s illusion in their student body because they are ranking on personality. It's a, it, it's the, the the tectonic shift pulled by pulled by legacy kids who were probably white cats who didn't deserve to be in there in the first place, but because their fathers gave 20 million to the school, they get in. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's not something I want to get upset about or think about, but I understand this father's pain. Because I know what it takes to get through high school with a uh, a 4.2 grade average and a perfect score in the SAT. A lot. 
I didn't get the perfect score in the SAT. But they changed it. I think they changed it and they changed it back. But the ceiling on SST had been 1,600 when I was taking it. I got 1,400 in a high school where at least five people got 1,600. All those people went to Brian Green, the physicist, was one of them. Ended up going to Harvard. Lisa Randall, who uh, <laughs> uh, maybe somebody, a longtime listener, could tell you about my Lisa Randall story in high school. She liked me for approximately 30 seconds. <laughs> we both worked at a student newspaper together. But, <laughs> but she made me nervous, you know? So she turned around, and uh, when she turned back to talk to me about something, I had decided that the best and most appropriate thing to do was to stick two pencils up my nostrils, one up each nostril. Situation comedy. She just kind of looked at me, and in that moment, I died for her. <laughs> I, 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 I'm trying to think of a way to make that a story, but, more, but it happened so fast. It happened so fast that it's pointless. But I like I, I'd like to I, I'd like to write it so I can send it to her to say, look, I've got some insight on that moment. <laughs> I'm not just a guy with pencils up his nostrils. I'm more than that now. I'm a 55 year old guy who's talking about pencils up his nostrils. So I mean, Lou Lou Reed's and uh, 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 other dude who just died, Leonard Cohen, said it best. Everybody knows. Everybody, I'm okay with your tribalism. And you should be okay with whatever fucking extant tribalism I happen to exercise. Because it's, it's a cognate, and the cognate is me. I said at one point during one of these elections, I go, how come people, I'm willing to rent out my slogan to any of these candidates. And a buddy of mine said, what's your slogan? The slogan I'm willing to rent out is, what about America? Anytime anybody says, this is me, this is in a well in advance of Trump, he said, what about America? Anytime they're like, oh, well, this, what about America? Anything you say, what about America? Well, we want to spend more about defense. Defense, what about America? What about defending Americans? Well, from what? From joblessness. What about that? I don't need any more F-14s. I need a job. And my buddy said, I could do you one better. I go, okay, go ahead. He goes, what about me? I go, oh, yeah, the Al Franken thing, the meat deck. He goes, fuck that. Seriously, what about me? And that's where we developed the whole method, the, 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 whole, the whole analog of the hole. So, yeah, we're sitting in the bottom of this hole, man. There are people up there who know us standing next to ladders. They could pass the ladder down. They refuse to acknowledge the existence of ladders, those fucking ladder pullers. Like the woman I know who dragged me to a meeting at Paramount, uh, Jack Black's ex dragged me to a meeting at Paramount, and the woman, big so far, I'm I'm sitting in the, on the couch in her office. I almost need glasses to see her face, but I can hear perfectly well. And she goes, "I'm looking for male writers for Saturday Night Live. Do you know anybody?" Eugene's in the back of the room. Any second now, they're gonna mention me. I write comedy. Funny guy. Got a penis, qualifies me as male, not a fucking peep from my friend. I don't know anybody, but if somebody comes to mind, I'll think of it. It's like, yo, hey. I said nothing. 
said nothing. So, you know, what about me? I'm okay. It becomes more comfortable to say I'm a Trump voter because what I am saying is my tribal identity is more than just me. At one point, I read Jun Chang's book on Mao and I go, I know what people are really saying when they say they're a Maoist. They're really saying I'm a meist. The great march, he didn't fucking march. He had people carry him. And one of those things, those, those, uh, you know, the sticks that they carry on, there's an official name for it, the sticks that they carry on the shoulder with the, you know, the cover top. People were dying from dysentery and all kinds of disease. They carried that fuck on it. You know what, you know what he had up in there that made it so heavy? Books. He was lounging and reading and eating French sweetmeats while people died underneath that fucking hand thing that was carrying him. He'd look out and say, get somebody else there. Long, the great march, the fuck did it march in? And his entire life was a testament to the best kind of government. Uh, the Greeks said democracy was one of the lowest forms of government. Tyranny, this wasn't even tyranny. It's Maoism, Maoism, meism. What about me? But it's become much like Nazism, it's become one of these things that's unfashionable. So we have to, we have to cotton on the fig, figureheads. Figureheads that best represent our interests. When in actual fact, we don't really care about our interests, do we? I tell you what I care about more than our interest. I care about my interest. That's what I care about. Now, if my interests happen to intersect, there's intersectionality with your interest, then we could say we're on the same team. We get our little red hats and we run around and get our feelings hurt. Not me. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. What about me? Any politician I view through that lens and guy who's in the casino politics, I know he cares about one thing and one thing only. Not me, my wallet. And he's not fucking for sure not interested in putting anything in that wallet or putting sausages on my plate. That's not his thing. Nope, not his thing at all. But you disagree? That's okay. My quick time cross down needs to resolve itself in understanding that it's me that I need to benefit. Okay. We're going to have a class action suit and sue Harvard. That's fine. I don't give a fuck about class action. I care about the fact that my kid with 4.2 and a perfect score in the SAT didn't get into Harvard. If that kid didn't get in, who the fuck is getting in? I tell you, a kid worked for me. A kid worked for me. He was a stooge. Well, he didn't work for me, but he was like an intern. I was like, this kid has is, is got nothing happening in his head. What's going on? Where is he going to college? So you won't believe it. Where? Vassar. Whoa, fuck. But that guy, he was high on the personality scale. People loved him. You wanted coffee, get your coffee, get you any, get your muffin, get you anything, listen to your stories and talk to you. People love that guy. High on personality. I have no idea what his grades were, but he got in. Was his father somebody, his mother somebody? Very probably. Is that okay? I don't know. What about me? 
So any political discussion that skirts around the meism aspect of it is fucking bullshit. They supplant that with the me. Hitler said me, and he really meant me. Mao said me, and he really meant me. But Hitler made a big... It wasn't... The difference between Hitler and Mao is that Hitler said me, said us, but he really kind of meant me. Mao said me and meant me. It's a little more truthful. A little red book. Mao's little red book. <laughs> Maoism. Well, you can say, yeah, Eugene, there was Leninism, there was Marxism. There was... Okay, well, look, you know, there's a fundamental difference between all these things. So what I'm doing right now, for those of you who need the cliff notes, is undercutting tribalism. Because I don't give a fuck about a tribe, and I don't think anybody else does either. They care about themselves. You know how I know? The things that I was concerned about when my kids were three and four, I'm no longer concerned about because my kids are no longer three or four. You know, schools, parks, you know, elementary school tuition, not my issue right now. So I'm thinking about it. And this line of thinking, this line of thinking, this meism thing has caused me to think about Gaulite General Chris Woodpile Weidman. And it came to me like like this whole thing. I started to think every woman that I went out with in college was kind of a loser. And I don't want to use that uncharitably. Because I, I, I don't, I'm not using loser the way some people use the word freak. As a set of, as a, they have not embraced their full potential. But more importantly, they've given themselves away. The poker tell each and every one of these women. After encountering me as a grown adult male, they've all said variations of the same thing, which is fundamentally, <laughs> wow, it's funny how things turn out. What you're surprised that a middle class guy became a middle, a middle class young guy became a middle class older guy? No, that's not what you're surprised about. You're surprised that I became a middle guy. You never saw that in the beginning. In fact, you thought I was a loser. In fact, that was part of the attraction. Because I mitigated how you felt about yourself. Which means you, under, you misunderstood the plot from the fucking beginning. Just because I had a mohawk and a leather jacket in 1980 and tattoos didn't mean I was a loser. Where'd you fucking grow up? But that's okay. So I'm starting to think about this meism, and I'm starting to think about Chris Weidman, who has absolutely not shut his mouth, not shut his mouth. And recently, there's a, a, a raft of a fusillade of, 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 of tweets about Robert Whittaker, and he's gonna, he should fight GSP, and just crazy talk. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Getting into the Lost Battalion is about self-awareness. For the first time ever, for the first time ever, I'm starting to think about Kaiser Sose. You know? For the first time ever, I'm thinking about Devil's Advocate. They never see me coming. For the first time ever, I'm looking at the sting and thinking about the long con. And as soon as the idea was introduced into my head, I had to consider it. 
fundamentally, what I had to consider was a possibility that Gauleiter General Chris Woodpile Weidman was not totally unaware, but in a Charlie Manson-esque way, was a, had 100% awareness. Because you know what he's experienced since he fucking got, since his hashtag February question mark moment? You know what he's experienced? What we used to call on the old show, the chimp chill out. Also known as the Hollywood fade. I don't know if you've ever been there. I have. The band Fear sings about it best. Getting the brush. Getting the brush. Brush off. All of a sudden, how do you think Rich Franklin felt when he was like, became this Jim Carrey-esque, you know, against type golden boy? He's a math teacher. He's a fighter. He's a fighter. He's a math teacher. Two great tastes in one. And then he started losing to Addison Silva. And then it was like, phone stops ringing. Like Root Boy Slim, the sex change band says, phone never rings. Postman never brings a thing. It's a Hollywood fade. At at a certain point, when you're in that that the, the misty climbs next to the wood pile, deep in the hole, you'll discover that you can get people to gather around the periphery of the hole, people with ladders and plates with sausages. If you scream loud enough. So the issue is. Chris Weidman, does he believe what he's saying, making him a true believer, or is Chris Weidman just hollering from the hole, making him a cynical opportunist, but a survivor, or a true believer? They've all experienced some variation of that. Why do you think Rhonda? Why do you think Rhonda never came back? I didn't carjack you, Rhonda. Why do you think she never came back? Because that Hollywood fade fucking hurts. Fortunately, if you're really self-involved, if you're a really colossal narcissist, like somebody I know, me, when I was in the midst of the Hollywood fade after I shot down Steven Soderbergh and George Clooney, as a directing actor team for the film version of my book, A Long Slow Screw. Yes, that happened. And the phone stopped ringing and the postman stopped bringing the thing. I didn't even realize it. And then when I kind of did realize, I was like, those guys are fucking idiots. Fuck them. So though the fight book, this one behind me, Fighter, Everything You Ever Want to Know About Asking, but you get asking for asking, came out on HarperCollins. A long, slow screw, though it was released in French translation as Paternostra and upcoming uh, by the end of 2018 in Italy, in Italian, it was still published in English by a small press in London, the head of which has lost her mind, moved to Florida, and gotten into macrame. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Fat, the fat man is not kidding camera adds 10 pounds yo bro how many cameras you got on you hey fuck off 
So now, now, now I'm zaprudering everything that Weidman does because I am now undecided and I'm sharing that insecurity, that unsecurity, that uncertainty with you. I am undecided as to whether he is blissfully unaware and therefore deserving of the title of Gaulaita General of the Lost Battalion because his belief in self is so at odds with the prevailing reality of his situation or whether he's a cynical opportunist in a hole filled with mist and wood. It's like, I got to scream to get the guys with the sausages and the ladders to come back. And if that's what I got to do, that, hey, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're fucked up. Like, I'll give you an example. They were digging, they were, they had, were digging holes to sink, sink rods in to put a backstop at a baseball field. And I'm walking along with my stepbrother. I said, hey, man, we should jump down to one of those holes. I hadn't thought this through. So I jumped down into a hole, and he jumped down into another hole. I was like, hey, can you get out? He's like, it's really hard. I go, yeah. And then it started to rain. I was like, fuck, we're not going to get out of here. I'm like, God damn it. I got, uh, help. Hey, somebody. And then I got angry with myself. That's the thing. It's like Anton LaVey said, more people got get killed by popularity than anything. I was suddenly shy about asking for help, but I got angry put my back against the wall and scrambled out of there. I was covered in all kinds of mud when I finally got out. I get out and I reach my hand out and pull my stepbrother out. We both showed up looking like 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 the mud men. Got the fuck out of the hole. Asking for help is hard. Unless you're in the grips of the Hollywood fade and you're like, hey bro, shit. You know who's still who's still eating right? Chael Sonnen. I'm gonna start talking, start chattering. So now I got the gimlet eye on Chris Woodpile Weidman. The gimlet eye. Because there's a strong possibility that this is a, a con that he's playing. It doesn't matter. In either case, you wouldn't see Matt, Matt Sarah and Ray Longo behind him. But in any, I, I just want you to think about that. There are probably ample examples. I'm going to go back and watch the film over every single instance. Guy's just trying to talk himself into something. At some point, Sean Shelby, also known as Keith, is going to give him something. The fight that they give him will tell you all you need to know. If we, if they but blench, then we know our course. They gave him an underweight Kevin Gastelum. Eh, maybe he'll get by him, maybe not. Eked by him, guy went crazy. Why? Because he got one handhold out of the hole. Of course he's going to keep screaming. Keep screaming. Is that what's happening? Is that what's happening? The camera flashes to him. He makes the sign for the belt. Does he believe it? I don't know. I don't know. But suddenly the idea entered my head, and it entered my head for a very distinct reason. Because something's happening here, and what it is ain't exactly clear. It's tempting to want to keep the guy in there, but you know what? No, there are no atheists in the foxholes. There are no fakers in the Lost Battalion. You're either in or you're not. It's like a guy going to Auschwitz who's like, 
Are you Jewish? No. You communist? No. You gypsy? No. You homosexual? No. What the fuck are you doing here? You prisoner of war? No. Well, I live in the town, man. Shit, I can get free food here. What? What? Yeah, no, I just I leave at night. I go home and sleep in my bed, but you know, free food here and no, nobody's bothering me. I mean, you guys get killed, but they, they I don't have any patches. They don't You're crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a fox. You're crazy. Yeah, as a crab. Don't you mean fox? Whatever. I'm unsettled. I'm uncertain. I'm not angry or hostile. I'm just confused. And that's an okay place to be. You have listened to V22, the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Stomper, T-H-E-S-T-O-M-P-E-R. If you come in at the $10 level, I'll call you. But that shit works both ways. <laughs> hey, I'll call you, but you have no idea when or what state I'm going to be in when I call you. <laughs> I'll do like Nini did to me to you. No, I actually won't do that. We have a cordial conversation, I imagine. Hey, some of the people who have been called should do testimonials. They'll tell you. They say, yeah, it was like being trapped inside the show stomper versus just having a phone conference. I couldn't get out. I wouldn't stop talking. Yeah, whatever. So on Tuesday at 720, uh, uh, if I did it, this week it'll be John Nash and Alexi Ald and me. Kid Nate is on vacation. Apparently a vacation that he has to take from being on vacation. Followed by uh, if the shoes fit with the same crew at, at 8 o'clock. They're each half an hour, so whatever, 7.50. They follow, one follows the other. And if there's a fight next weekend, which I believe there is, then usually Wednesday morning, John Nash and I will do the Care Don't Care preview. These are show, Two of those shows are on Bloody Elbow. Uh, the ones that I guest on are on Bloody Elbow. And then Alexi's show, If the Shoes Fit, is on his uh, uh, channel. Subscribe to the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper, and that way you get automatic announcements when we're about to do a show. I'm about to put this show up, go shove some food in my maw, and next up on this channel, within the next hour, will be uh, 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 You Kill Me, Kasha and Eugene's film reviews for Reprobates, uh, where we talk about the movies that, that, that we like. So that's the show. I expect you to be doing your Zapruder homework about this thing because my head is all fezzed up about the possibility that Weidman knows exactly what he's doing. In fact, if somebody wants to make a clip, I, I this is an entreaty to Chris Weidman. I, I, like the guy said in Dirty Harry, I, got, I, I gots to know. I gots to know. Please help me. Help me, Mr. Weidman. Help me. So that's the end of the show. V22, Eugene S. Robinson, Showstopper. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Go down below the links. Give up the thumbs up. Click on the thumbs up feature. That's what I think it looks like because I'm never using it. So uh, I already liked my own show before. Uh, uh, leave your hostile, angry comments below. <laughs> you call me fat. <laughs> fat father's Negro as much as you want. Doesn't bother me. Listen to the beginning of the show if you want to know what bothers me. 
Thanks for listening. And as usual, sign off with, wait for it. Look what you made me do!